You're listening to the Baby Dust Fertility Podcast, and I'm your host, Hannah Bowers. Now, on to the show. Well, welcome back to the Baby Dust Fertility Podcast. I am thrilled to be sitting down with today's guest. Today, we are talking to Jacqueline Downs. She is a functional genomic nutritionist, and she's also the author of a book that I have been really excited about. It's actually coming out on pre-sale today, the day that we're recording this uh, interview. It's called Enhancing Fertility Through Functional Medicine, Using Nutrigenomics to Solve Unexplained Infertility. Um, I just think the title says everything. It is just I have no doubt as soon as I get my hands on it, I'm going to flip it open and just dive into all of the great insight and um, information that that is in there. Um, But before I get carried away talking about it, (laughs) welcome, Jacqueline. Thanks for taking time to be on the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Well, you know, I'm not even sure how I came across you. Um, I, I know I've been following you for some time, getting your newsletters, following you on social media. And I think, uh, one of the first things I noticed right away was that in everything you talk about and everything you post, you go down a level deeper than what I'm used to seeing anywhere. Uh, And I love that. I think you just kind of pull back the curtain on things that a lot of us aren't thinking about. Um, And so before we really get into our conversation, I kind of want to put you on the spot and ask, how did you get here? What was that journey that was like the tipping point for you to just jump in? I started uh, as a, I live in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and it's a little behind the times. And um, I was just really hitting a lot of dead ends when it came to doing the work and the consulting that I wanted to do. Mm. Uh, Just people weren't quite ready for my approach. Um, So I last ditch effort, I contacted this one naturopath that had a practice. And this was uh, about almost 10 years ago. And he hired me to be his research assistant to research MTHFR, Hmm. which was this, uh, it's a genetic variant um, that affects people on a, it affects their fertility, it affects their detox, it affects a lot of things. And um, it's just funny to me now that I was hired to just study this one gene Um, that quickly evolved into other genes in the methylation pathway. And then just everything else is connected to everything else. And uh, I took my former career in birth work as a doula and prenatal postpartum yoga instructor and apprentice to midwife. And I sort of brought it all full circle to mix together the, the reproductive wellness and the nutrition and genetics to, to get where I am today and write the book that I wrote. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you know, I, I don't think it's a far jump from birth work to fertility. I have talked to so many people who start doing birth stuff. In fact, that's kind of part of my story. I fell in love with birth first, um, and then found their way back a few steps to work in, in this fertility space. So I, I just think that's so interesting to see that something, some light bulb has to be going off in our heads. Yeah. I, firmly feel that connection for sure. And I discussed that in the beginning of my book, just how I never realized that fertility challenges were so commonplace because people don't talk about them. It's not like, you know, people are discussing them out in the open. And so it wasn't until I worked with this midwife and people were coming in for miscarriages and infertility that 
it just opened my eyes. And then my, my dad was a, a biochemical nutritionist and mm. I just saw what, what these people might have been lacking. Plus my midwife was very, um, health conscious. And so if somebody would come in with, um, repeated miscarriages, she would say, well, have you had your home tested for radon? Mm -hmm. You know, and so she would, she would ask the questions and she would ask them about diet. And I know uh, a lot of great midwives that, that do do that these days, but I also know a lot that still aren't addressing the nutritional aspect. Mm. Yeah. I echo that completely. I know in our, our experience, our midwife was very on it from day one, but yeah, I hear stories from others where, you know, nutrition just doesn't become a, a front and centerpiece of the puzzle, which is just bizarre to me, really, especially with the literature, how it's growing. And um, there's really no excuse to not prioritize that. I completely agree with you. It's it's baffling and it's also frustrating. Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, I, like I said, I love pregnancy. I could talk about pregnancy all day, but I want to kind of take a step back here and I want to talk about fertility. I know that's an area that is of great expertise to you. Um, and, you know, you mentioned MTHFR. Everybody talks about MTHFR, but I like something that you had said before we kind of jumped in here and hit the record button. And you were talking about how, you know, there's just so much more beyond just MTHFR. So do you mind just kind of giving us like jumping in, talking about that, uh, talking about how this whole genetics as a whole can impact fertility? Um, I, I just think that we need to have our, you know, open our minds to something beyond just what MTHFR could do for us. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. And I just want to um, make a little side note that I almost titled my book, MTHFR is a gateway gene because mm -hmm. it is often the first gene that people learn about yeah. and it opens their eyes to how our genes play a major part in our health and our health is affected by our genes. And um, I decided to just mention that in my book rather than having that be the, <laughs> title, the, the um, editors chose the title uh, or the publishers. Um, but um, our genes are literally the blueprint for all reactions to take place in the body from how effectively our bodies produce things like enzymes and hormones and neurotransmitters, but also um, they our genes influence how those substances are transported, utilized and broken down. So they are responsible for every single reaction and every single thing that's created in our body right down to the consistency of our earwax. But mm. they're also um, they also code for things like um, how minerals and vitamins and, and nutrients and toxins are transported and or broken down and cleared by the body. So our genes really, really impact our detoxification ability. And uh, I want to mention that and emphasize that like I do in my book, because toxins are a major cause of fertility challenges. And I'm sure you know, and your listeners know that even if we are so lucky enough to get pregnant and have a, a healthy baby, these there was a study done, um, it was, uh, the EWG uh, did a TED talk on it called 10 Americans and how they took the cord blood of mm. 10 brand new babies and tested it. And these babies you know, just took their first breath and they had an average of 289 toxins such as Shocking. flame retardants and Teflon. And we're just, we're passing all of these on and then our babies are gonna pass their lifetime and our toxins onto their children. And so detoxification 
I really, really detail the proper way and, and uh, all the different detox pathways in our body because we don't want to pass those on to our children for sure. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, detoxification really isn't a word that you hear in fertility. You know, we're thinking, oh, we got to think about ovaries. We got to think about the uterus, think about hormones, which are all important. I don't want to dis- diminish them, but uh detoxification, (laughs) we got to be able to get rid of that stuff that's in our system. Otherwise it's just going to stay there. Yeah. A lot of people, which I love are getting hip to preconception health, Mm -hmm. um, and like a fertility diet, but yeah, uh, the, the detox part is just as important, if not more important than the nourishing component. Um, but, but getting back to how knowing your genetics can improve your fertility, um, aside from our detox ability, fertility challenges are also rooted in inflammation and something mm. called oxidative stress, which uh, damages cells when it is in excess. So knowing your genetics can tell you where sources of inflammation are likely coming from um, and how they are affecting the body and our fertility. These are things like iron dysregulation, impaired detox pathways, poor fatty acid utilization, mm and excess free radical production. And I have whole chapters on each of these topics in my book. Hmm. Also, um, as far as antioxidants go that neutralize the free radicals, our bodies create antioxidants like glutathione, which is called our master antioxidant. And um, these, these help to neutralize free radicals that cause oxidative stress. So our genes dictate how well these antioxidants are made transported, utilized and broken down. And so um, if you, even if you live a completely clean lifestyle and have a perfect diet, you still might not be, your your toxin bucket might fill up faster than somebody else's that doesn't have as great of a genetic profile or, or lifestyle, um, just living in the modern day toxic soup of a planet that we do. Um, so yeah. knowing your genetics can tell if you are predisposed to having less than efficient ability to use fats, because we need fats to make our hormones to grow a baby. And if your body isn't properly using fats, then they're going to oxidize and create inflammation and that mm, causes yeah. the oxidative stress. Plus, if you're not properly using the fats that you're getting in your diet, then you're not going to have the raw materials that are needed to make the hormones. So once you know where your genetic weak links are, you can help to compensate for these weak links by supporting them with nutrients from food and supplements, and um, also with clean living and avoidance of toxins that sort of gum up the works and and have uh, a deeper impact on your genetic variants. Mm, Yeah, I I think that's really, really insightful. And what you said about, uh, you know, our unique buckets filling up, I think is something really important just to highlight. Um, there's always that question that looms out there, like, well, I'm doing all the right things. This person over here isn't, but they're having no struggles in the fertility department. And so I, it, you know, we're, it seems like we're, we always have that battle in our heads and, you know, not being able to have adequate antioxidants in our system or use the materials would be a very Uh, like understandable explanation for why maybe one person can get away with not as perfect living versus another one. Absolutely. But there's also things that people aren't aware of, like so many clients that I have 
never like I, I'll ask them, Hey, have you had any known mold exposure? And they're like, Nope. Yeah. And then I start digging a little deeper asking about where, you know, the house they grew up in, or, you know, was there mold in a college or your church or your work or, uh, cause most mold is not visible to the eye. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times mycotoxins are a major contributing factor and people think they're doing everything right, but yet there's Ooh, something that they're completely missing. And so um, I have a whole chapter on mold and mycotoxins in my <laughs> And each of these chapters too, I'm not just talking about the doom and gloom and everything that's ruining your fertility. Each chapter has action steps that people can take right away that are pretty easy. Um, a lot of them are free. Um, mm. And, and, or else I'll recommend certain testing that they can ask their practitioners for, or uh, certain supplements to try or something like that. Mm, well, that's helpful. The pairing with action plus information is just great. Um, but, but taking that, like thinking about that, um, you know, you talked about genetics, you know, in order to know our genetics, we have to do genetic testing. Mm -hmm. uh, and what are the things that we need to know if we're going to go down that path for genetic testing? I would like people to know two important things about genetic testing. Um, one is just because you have a genetic variant does not mean that it is expressing. Mm. Mm -hmm. The saying goes that genetics loads the gun, but environment pulls the trigger. And what this means is that um, you can have a genetic variant, but if you have a nourishing diet and you are doing stuff to keep your stress levels low or, or managing or mitigating them, and you have a clean diet and lifestyle, you, those genetic variants might not be an issue for you. Um, the, the research shows, I have it, um, quoted in my book that about, um, 85 to 90 or 95% of, chronic issues uh, are not due to genetics, but mm. your lifestyle, your toxin exposure, your nutrient deficiencies, your level of stress, all of that is way more impactful to your health than just what your genetic blueprint shows. Mm. But if you have a lot of variants in a whole pathway and like one thing compounds another, then yeah, that could likely cause an issue or at least add weight to the side of the scale for things to be problematic. Um, the second thing that I really want people to know about genetic testing is that no gene works in isolation. People mm -hmm. are going to their doctor and just getting tested for MTHFR and then being put on a bunch of methylfolate. And that can really cause some issues for a lot of people. And I explain three major reasons why that is uh, in my book. But a lot of people will blame, well, I can't detox because I have MTHFR or I have miscarriages because I have MTHFR. Mm -hmm. And I'm not discounting the importance of MTHFR, but that's just a whole lot of weight to place on one gene because there are so many other genes and pathways that MTHFR is connected to that you still might have a methylation issue, even if you don't have any MTHFR variants. So um, I wanted to just make people yeah. aware that you don't just want to test for an isolated gene, unless you're looking for genetic mutations mm -hmm. like cystic fibrosis or mm -hmm. Tay-Sachs or something like that, like those, yes. Mm -hmm. um, and then actually I'll add a third thing <laughs> about what I would like people to know about genetic testing. Um, and that's just where you're getting your genetic testing. The, the big genetic testing companies that are direct to consumer are so inexpensive because they make money selling your genetic information. Um, and they don't provide you with actionable functional information about your genes. And by that, I mean the genes you can actually do something about to support and help compensate. They just kind of give you a, a cute 
genetic profile kind of thing. Um, and it's fun. Um, and, and, and the ancestry part is great. That's, you know, if that's what you want, then, then for sure do the ancestry part and, you know, maybe use an alias or something like that. But, um, but yeah, so that's the third thing is just, that's why these big companies that are direct to consumer are so inexpensive because they're not making their money from you. They're making their money selling your information. Mm, and yeah, and I think that's a, another good thing to just bring up as, you know, generally when we're thinking really anything, supplements, you know, interventions, usually the provider prescribed or provider ordered grade is so much better than what you could just pick up at the store. Um, and so that's like almost like a mindset shift, like having to remember like, okay, I might be paying more for this, uh, might be less convenient to access, but the end result's going to be 10 X, you know, of what potentially you're going to get from this over here. Yes, but I sure. did want to jump back for a second. I, I appreciated what you said about MTHFR, you know, in our Facebook community, we, we hear MTHFR, you know, here and there. Um, but one of the things that I've noticed that's become so mainstream is now the MTHFR is mainstream. They use screen just for MTHFR. And then as soon as that's identified, there's like the protocol of the blood thinners and the methylfolate and, you know, six other things. And that just becomes who you are in your, your care. And I, I like how you widened that to point out that, you know, that's, it, it's a, a gene and it does something in the body, but there's also other genes that work closely with it. Um, and, and I think it's almost like we have to remember that genes, we can't take a pharmaceutical model with genes. We can't just necessarily pick one gene, um, excluding, you know, what you were saying about like cystic fibrosis or hemochromatosis or, you know, something over there, but you can't just cherry pick that gene and be like, okay, well, this is the problem. Uh, and so I appreciated you diving into that a little bit more. Yeah. And um, just in what you said in regarding hemochromatosis, I actually talk about that in my chapter mm. on iron dysregulation, because is my understanding that in order to be diagnosed with hemochromatosis and for people that don't know what that is, that's mm. when your body just has and holds on to way too much iron. Um, and, and iron, just like any other metal, you don't want too much in your body. Um, and while it is important, we want to make sure it's properly used, not oxidized. Mm -hmm. I, I tell my clients improperly used iron is like, if you leave an iron rod out on your front lawn and it rusts, it oxidizes. That's what happens when iron's not properly used in our body. So, um, having a diagnosis of hemochromatosis means that you are heterozygous, which means have two variants. Uh, one from each parent on three different RS numbers for uh, the HFE gene, which that I know that sounds like really complicated, but basically you can still have iron issues and iron overload without having full-blown hemochromatosis. Mm -hmm. Talk about that. It, uh, but yes, I mean, hemochromatosis, hereditary hemochromatosis mm -hmm. is what it's called, is definitely a genetic disorder, but just because you don't have the full expression doesn't mean yeah. there's not any problem. I guess yeah. that's, that's no, the more that's, precise way yeah. of saying it. <laughs> no, that's so true. That's so true. Um, so, you know, we talked a little bit, you've, you've dove in um, to talk about MTHFR and things, but um, what other genes? Are there others that affect fertility? Um, do we really just need to take like the, the whole picture, like the big picture approach? Um, what do we need to be aware of when it comes to taking that next step? So there are um, a few genes that I really like to focus on. And I actually have um, a lead magnet uh, called the, the big three most impactful mm -hmm. genes. 
Um, and one of them that I'm about to talk about um, is mentioned in there. Um, uh, so everyone forgets about how important choline is in the body, mm. especially for fertility and pregnancy. And I say in my book that choline needs to get some time on the mic. Mm -hmm. So um, choline is needed for the development of the brain and the nervous system for, uh, for a fetus, as well as being a critical component of bile. Your bile is needed for uh, cell health because all of our cell membranes um, are primarily composed of a form of choline called phosphatidylcholine. Um, bile is needed for uh, your detoxification and fat utilization. And it also plays a major role in the methylation pathway. So again, you could have no MTHFR variants, but you could have issues with your choline and your methylation pathway won't be working well. So choline is a conditionally essential nutrient, which means that, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry, mm -hmm, uh, which means that uh, our bodies do make choline, but only a certain amount and the rest we need to get in through diet or supplementation. And the PEMT gene, this is one of my favorites, the PEMT gene is the only gene that makes choline in our body. And it is a very commonly variated gene. Hmm. So how much dietary choline someone needs really varies from per person. Um, I also think we could prevent a lot of gallbladder removal surgeries if people focused on getting enough choline and they knew what their choline recommendations were for their particular body. Um, and I, I also have wondered um, about the relationship between like, if only I could knew how many people that had their gallbladder removed actually had PEMT genetic mm. variants. I would say it's a high percentage. Um, also any gene that relates to longevity um, and mitochondrial functioning is, is going to be essential for fertility. So the, there's a gene called the CERT gene, S-I-R-T, which stands for silent mating type information regulation homologue, uh, which super <laughs> sciencey sounding. Um, but, but the fact that it says silent mating type just alone tells you that if we don't have enough energy, the, the CERT genes are going to sense that and they're going to shut off mating ability. And so um, our body needs to know that it has enough energy on a regular daily basis for all of our bodily functions, because if it doesn't, then it's going to know darn well that there isn't enough energy to grow a baby. So um, any, like I said, the longevity genes or genes involved with mitochondrial functioning. Um, a third one, this one is actually, this is a family of genes and just like the certs are, um, this is not in my big three most impactful genes, but uh, the UGT genes control much of uh, something called glucuronidation, which is a, a phase two liver detox pathway. It's one of the pathways that certain substances are cleared through the body. And um, glucuronidation is involved with the clearance of our a lot of our endogenously produced substances. So that means substances made by the body. This is things like histamine, bilirubin, all of our sex hormones. So um, it also plays a major root of detoxification for our mycotoxins and mold and also cannabis. Hmm. And so if you are a heavy cannabis user, that's going to put a little bit more burden on your glucuronidation pathway. And then that could affect your hormone balance. Or if you have uh, exposure to mold, that could affect the clearance of all of these things. Um, so this liver detox pathway gets overwhelmed easily. And when we have genetic variants, it compromises that pathway even further. So those are just a couple of my, my genes that I always look at in every genetic interpretation that I do. Mm, yeah. Each one of those sounds like it is a big deal. <laughs> it does something really, really important. Mm. Yeah. So 
thank you for taking the time to dive into that. You know, I, I love just having the horizons broadened when it comes to this area, because I feel like the more I learn, the less I actually know, realizing, you know, the body is so complex. There are so many factors and there are so many, so many interesting things that could be relevant to you or me or someone else. And it just depends on our unique makeup. Um, and so, you know, I think the big, the big takeaway here is I'm going to drop that big three most impactful genes, a link to that, if you're okay with it into the show notes, that way we can try to connect people with that, give them a way to also kind of get a taste of your knowledge before maybe they can get their hands on your book. Um, but if someone's been listening and they are intrigued, they want to learn more, they're interested in doing genetic testing, um, what would be the next step of creating that relationship with you? You can go to my website, JacquelineDowns.com, J-A-C-L-Y-N-D-O-W-N-S, and go to the resources page. And there's all kinds of links. There's a link to a complimentary 15-minute discovery call. Or if you know you already want to work with me, you can book a full audit, which is going to be... Um, you fill out a really, really in-depth intake form and health history form. And uh, based on that, um, uh, we will do a 60 minute consultation and um, I'll sort of tell you, these are the biggest things that I'm seeing. Have you tried this? What, you know, uh, here's some, some recommended action steps. And also if you are interested in doing a genetic uh, testing and interpretation service, I have links on my resources page for that as well. And I know there's gonna be the question of, well, what if I've already done a 23andMe? I do have a link there for, for that too. So it's basically the same service. You're just not buying the genetic test kit, which is $250. So okay. it's, it's about half the price. Mm, fantastic. And we'll link all of that down below in the show notes. Now, as far as your book goes, when is that? I know it's pre-sale today. When will it be officially for sale? And what, the same as with your services, where can we, where can we go to get a copy? You can go to right there, homepage on my website. I have a picture of the cover and you can click to purchase it. Um, and it will be in your hands March 15th. So you can pre-order it today or anytime in between. And uh, I guess they start shipping it out and it will be available to be held and touched and read and loved and marked up uh, uh, March 15th. Fantastic. Well, Jacqueline, thank you for taking the time to be on the podcast. I appreciate you sharing your wisdom um, and just kind of giving us a taste of all that genetics has to offer. Thank you. I had a lot of fun speaking with you, Hannah. Thanks for mm -hmm. coming. All right, friends. Well, that wraps up today's episode of the Baby Dust Fertility Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and we'll give you a shout out in an upcoming episode.
Thanks for tuning into the Baby Dust Fertility Podcast. Please share this episode with a friend and be sure to follow Baby Dust at babydust.substack.com for updates on all new episodes and free fertility resource guides. Until next time, I'm your host, Hannah Bowers. Bye for now.